Right here, folks. Let's get a few pages done today, insha'Allah. Um, I think we finished with Hammam last week, right? Yes? So we're starting with Aqan al Ibl, yes? Okay. So uh, the text that we're covering today then is the prayer is not valid in. Yeah, let's go to the Arabic, yeah. Uh, uh, focus will be on the last two points. The English translation of Shazan Salim. Uh, the prayer is not valid in a graveyard, a toilet, a hammam. That's what we've done today. A camel pen, land which has been usurped. Usurped or usurped? Hands up for usurped. And put your hands up for usurped. I'll be honest, I'm not convinced that I know either one. Whether it's usurped or usurped. <laughs> it's usurped. Usurped. Yeah, does someone do that, that flipping Merriam Webster thing? Come on. Is it? It's normally American who says it. I don't want to hear no American voice. I reject all American pronunciations. <laughs> Oh, I told you that's an American. Do it play again? Louder? Kind of, what kind of? That's American. Yeah, that's rejected. That's American. Find an English one. Yeah, I never, ever, 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 ever trust an American pronunciation. I think usurped our language. Usurped. Nice. I missed that one. They did indeed usurp our language. صح. I have a feeling it is usurped. I just, you know what it is? I heard, uh, what's her name say it? Uh, Hillary Clinton the other day. Huh? Uh, Who's that? That sounds like Indian. <laughs> I'm not listening to an Indian guy's opinion. Dictionary. Well done. Well done, Pendu. He says, usurped, yeah? Khalas, from now on it's usurped. Yeah? To be honest, it, yeah, that would make usury usury isn't it <laughs> and we don't ever say usury so yeah I don't know why I thought that anyway you know what's amazing that I've read that out now five lessons in a row none of you worked out that I was saying usurped <laughs> that's how lame all of you are unbelievable <laughs> Allah respect <laughs> I've got no idea what you're doing Shaz but anyway Sorry. that's okay <laughs> my man's got his dental stuff up and God knows what okay land which has been usurped the roofs of all of the above the prayer is valid, however, prayed towards all the above. Okay, so let's jump straight in right at the very bottom of page 242 from Al-Mumti'ah. Um, he starts, Sheikh starts talking about the A'atan uh, Ibl, the pens of the camel. Okay, camel pens. Jama' of A'atan, wa yaqul ma'atin, ma'atan. Okay, so this word we want to have a little look at the word atan okay that's the singular and ma'atin or atan or atan what is the actual definition of a camel pen first before we talk about its ruling uh, 
So, Sheikh Uthameen, he says that it has been given three potential explanations. And he gives them all three at the top of page 243. He says, first of all, anywhere that it makes the, uh, 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 the thingy, uh, this tabarrak, yani, uh, kneeling down. Anywhere it stops, anywhere it pauses, anywhere it kneels down. You see, a camel often stops, right? A camel is quite a stubborn animal, and it often pauses, and if it's tired, it will just kneel down. And its kneeling is obviously an area of a great focus in the Sharia because obviously it's an animal of the Arabs, okay? It's very common in Arab lands. But because the Prophet ﷺ has used and spoken about camels, camel pens, camel dung, camel urine, the believer acting like a camel, being dragged like a camel, the, uh, the believer going down for ruku, for sajda, like the way that the camel does, and don't do it like the camel does. So the camel plays a very big role um, in, uh, the sh- in Islamic sciences. We do need to understand really at the proper depth level about what they are. The Prophet ﷺ praised people for being like camels. He attacked people or criticized people for being like camels. There, there's positive characteristics of the camel. There are negative characteristics of the camel. There is you know, so many hadith actually. You could now just, I mean, I'm just randomly thinking about this, but you could write a good essay on the camel actually and its place in the Islamic sciences. So it is important for us to understand. Now it's, uh, it's so well known that, uh, or it's so prominent that the camel going down when it sits down it has a specific phrase, and the word is barakayabrokiani when it, it kneels down. And its kneeling down has always been a matter of discussion because when you see it on its four whatever, okay, it's four legs, four arms, four feet, whatever you're going to call them, its process of going down has been studied because the Prophet ﷺ said, do not kneel down. La tabrukyani, don't make the barakyani, baraka action. Do not do that kneeling action like the camel does. All right? And there was a big discussion amongst companions and tabi'een and the salaf generally, and of course, then the imams following them about what does that mean? What does that mean? And so, the first thing, thing you've got to do is to study the camel. I don't want to talk about this because this is obviously not about the kneeling of the camel. That's going to be in salah. But I just want you to know that the issue is about this kneeling process. It's a matter of confusion. How does it, can we first agree how it goes down? And then, how it goes down, how do we determine what it was that actually went down first? So, you'll see the camel, when it goes down, it, it leans forward, and you're thinking it's going to kneel straight down, but it doesn't. It then parks the backside first, and then it puts the so it's like a like that, like that, like that, yeah. So it's a forward resting the back, and then goes down. So at what point is it that we have been prohibited from? Is it the fact that the uh, it sits down first and then it kind of goes for sajda? You know, like you find some women who pray, okay, and this is from the madahib, as you know. I mean, I'm going, going somewhere, we're going so far in advance, but you know, the issue of the women's prayer and men's prayer is it different or not? And uh, you'll, you'll learn that in essence, there is no, there's no evidence to show there's a difference, okay? Or an actual difference in the actions. There are very clear, authentic differences in aspects of the prayer, such as aura, such as, uh, such as for example, if the imam makes a mistake, so the woman, she doesn't yani, correct but she makes a sound, okay, to say that there's a mistake, whereas the man, yani, will uh, 
correct openly, and so on things, and in the way that they stand, woman stands in the middle, and the men obviously, uh, uh, the, w- w- the woman will lead the salah in the middle of the actual first row, whereas the male will stand forward like the imam normally does. So these are clear differences. But what there aren't differences on is what you do see women doing, okay? such as praying much closer together, arms closer together, arms on the chest, and when they're going to ruku, they're much more controlled. That's because of their body and so on. And then you will see that when they go for sajda, many times you will have seen your own yani, ethnic women, and I say ethnic, yeah, I need to indicate a more uh, classical kind of traditional mentality that they, when they go down for sajda, they will sit down first. Completely sit down and plant themselves entirely before they go down to sajda. What does that result in? It results in a sajda where the backside is not in the air like the man does. Does that make sense? They've actually like sat down, their backside is like very low to the ground and then they just basically collapse like that into sajda. Very, very tight. All right? And there are, as I said, a number of cultural reasons for this that have made an impact upon the fiqh rulings as well in the form of dhahib. You'll see though, according to the sunnah, there's no evidence for a woman to go down like that. Anyway, so is the camel, when it sits down, actual backside first and then goes forward, is that what's being prohibited? Doubt it. Is it the fact that it goes down first with its two yani, things, whatever we're going to call it, are they its hands? Does a camel have hands or four legs? They, they, they discussed that. They said the first two legs, either it's two or four legs, or it's the arms. If it's the arms, it goes down first upon that, right? So therefore, the hadith then means that you mustn't go to sajda with your hands first. You know when you go hands first? Okay? People didn't like that because we have hadith that indicate that the Prophet ﷺ might have gone with his hands first. So they said that can't be the case. So what, where else is it? If it's not, if it's, if these two, uh, if these legs are, Four are uh, uh, four legs, then and we assume that the first two are legs. Then he went down with his legs first. Yes, so then the idea would be don't don't go down for prayer like you know most of the people do, like Hanafis do, for example, and the majority of that madahib, okay, uh, like I do, for example, which is to go down knees first and then hands first. Then the hadith would mean don't do that. So there's a huge discussion, and you can see this is all going back down to studying what actually is the action of the camel. And why is it, yeah, any, uh, um, what the action is, what the definition of the actual body parts are, and what can we can conclude from it? Anyway, for our point, from, from a Tahara point of view, we have been told that it is not permissible to pray in a camel pen. Not only not permissible, but the prayer is invalid. So we need to first of all define what a camel pen is, and then work out why on earth that would be that we can't pray in a camel pen. So the first Yani opinion is that a camel pen is anywhere where a camel kneels down. A camel kneels down. The second uh, opinion is anywhere where a uh, camel stays and spends a significant amount of time, goes to rest, that would maybe spend the night, okay? And that's a very uh, uh, popular opinion. And then the third opinion is anywhere that a camel uh, kneels down after it has come out of the watering hole. Okay? A camel pen normally, by the way, uh, normally is actually near a, water, a watering hole. It doesn't normally just stop in the middle of anywhere. As you know, when you look at that kind of, you know, that cartoon version of what you understand, you know, the desert to be, you'll often find a mirage or uh, a mirage, an oasis. <laughs> And where there'll be trees and there'll be a bit of cover and there'll be water and that's where the animals are gathering. So most animals are going to chill around there and a camel specifically. It will drink and it will drink absolute stack loads 
and then it will carry on his journey. And when it drinks, what it will do is that it will enter the water. So it will go into the water, okay? Not, not normally from the outside. It will actually go into the water and then it will come back out and then it will kneel down. So there were some people that said that that's the difference. So three ones are anywhere it stops. Number two, a specific a place where it is well known to go and stop and sit down and rest and whatever. Or number three, a specific area next to a watering hole where it goes in and only then sits after it's drunk water. Okay? Sheikh Uthameen says that the authentic and the correct position is that it is uh, a combination of the two places. Where it goes in for water and then kneels and where it spends a significant amount of time. Okay, where it spends the night, where it rests. This is what the that that is what a camel pen is, and a camel pen, by the way, um, out of interest, actually where most animals, to be on to be honest, are. But a camel pen specifically is a very smelly place, very stinky kind of place. That's why the water, I think, is an important aspect. The water often gets putrid there. It's not visited regularly, and that's why that in Arabic the word atin, okay. Atin means something which is decaying and putrid and rotting and disgusting, very bad smell. Okay, so even the linguistic, linguistic kind of kind of connection with the place gives an idea that it's a bit dirty. Sheikh Uthameen, he says, um, if there is a place where a camel will um, will kneel regularly. And so it's like a known place where the camels will always go. Then that's fine. We'll consider that to be a camel pen. But anywhere where a camel stops, impossible. We can't any consider that to be uh, uh, the ma'atim. We cannot consider it to be a place where it is actually a pen. He says, Sheikh then continues. He says, the evidence for this not being allowed to pray in a camel pen is a statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Pray in the pray in sheep pens, but do not pray in camel pens. Okay? Is there a better word than pen? Everyone's happy with pen, yes? What is the other word for pen? Enclosure. Yeah. Now enclosure is important to understand something here. Alright? This is a good point. An enclosure maybe some of us understand better than the word pen. Yes? But enclosure indicates that it has to be enclosed. Whereas a pen does not have to be enclosed. And that's very important. Okay? It is not a condition that it has to be completely surrounded, you know, Chardawali kind of thing. Not uh, a need for that. Okay? So, this hadith is authentic. And I just want to give you a little bit of information about this hadith as in footnote one. It has been narrated by Imam Ahmed and Imam Tirmidhi in the chapter of prayer um, and by Ibn Majah. And it was considered to be Hassan Sahih by Imam Tirmidhi. Ibn Rajab, he said that it's Senad, all of it, all of the people in it are the trustworthy ones, except for Ibn Sirin, yani considering whether he uh, was said this himself, was it his own statement, or was it that of the Prophet Wasallam? Anyway, um, the Ibn Rajab said that is, Isnad is uh, Jayid, and Imam Al-Nawawi said Hadith is Hassan, and the Hadith has a, 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 an Asal, already a, a basis in Sahih Muslim. There's also another Hadith that's narrated by Imam Abu Dawood, and it is authentic, it's not in the text, but I wrote it down myself. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا تصلوا في مبارك العبل فإنه من الشياطين do not pray in the pens of camels because they are from devils. 
they are from devils. So this hadith is the first introduction to a possible reason why this could be. Now, why is this uh, uh, issue interesting? The issue is interesting because because we're allowed to pray in a camel pen, uh, in, in a sheep pen. That's what makes this interesting. Okay, a pen is a pen. It's dirty anyway. It's got animals in there. And what are the animals? The animals are sheep. The animals are camels. We're allowed to eat camels. We're allowed to eat sheep. What do we know is that all of the uh, urine and dung of such animals are? What are you breaking my heart for? Impure, 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 impure. Impure, five years. I think majority of those five years we just spoke about talking about animal crap. Yeah, of those five years. I think nearly all five years. Four years at least we spoke about dung and, and what comes out their backside. For four years. And all of you turn around and say to me, it's impure. I want to I literally, I want to jump out the window. Unbelie- unbelievable. We said, camel dung and sheep dung is the purest stuff on this flipping planet, man. We went for donkey's years talking about how we build our houses with it, how we cook with it, how we play with it, how we smear it on people's faces, how we do this, how we do that. And now you turn around and say to me, it's nudges and impure. What do you want me to do? She says, what should I do? I reckon we turn this into a football commentary program every week, every Wednesday. What we do, this is my idea. Mm-hmm. We have a monitor on. We let all the people who are praying soon enough go. <laughs> and then we put on because there's always going to be a football on on Wednesday I said we put on the game we watch it doesn't matter every Wednesday there'll be a game isn't it mm-hmm. yeah yeah of course and then and we don't we always take a summer break anyway and there's no football during the summer so we put the football on we just put commentary on okay we'll mention a few things have a laugh and joke eat some chocolate yeah it's a winner definitely better than speaking about obviously purification four years and then everyone turns around and says to me it's impure <laughs> Because obviously that would be a much less waste of time than what this class has been, isn't it? Okay. Human feces, impure. Nedges, disgusting. Animals which are allowed to eat, okay, which you are allowed to eat, they are all tahir. The animals are tahir. The fur is tahir. The skin is tahir. Their, 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 their dung is tahir. Their urine is tahir. Okay. So many hadith to prove that this hadith here to pray in their in their uh, uh, pens, the, the hadith of Prophet about the medicine, medicinal properties of camel urine and and uh, so on and 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 we covered all of this I don't know how many times okay uh, dog yani thingy or dog thingy is haram just disgusting okay and by the way you're not allowed to eat dog either okay so. I don't know how far you want me to go back into this lesson, but that should be enough, okay? Every animal that you are allowed to eat, which is halal normally, okay? It doesn't matter whether the animal has been halaled or not. But the animal which is halal to eat, its yani products are halal and pure, okay? And that's why we use them. That's why the Muslims have been using them. These people in the pain, they're not as unpar as you think they are, okay? I know that all of you are attacking them day and night, but they're building these houses with this yani stuff. They're not all disaster, okay? I know that you think they're all backwards and you are advanced log, yeah? You're not advanced log at all. Take it now. Right. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. So, here's the thing. If the animal's urine and dung is pure, and specifically the camels, in fact, the camels especially... 
because the hadith in Bukhari tells us about the medicinal properties of the urine of the camel. Yani, this, this studies have been put into that. I don't know how good the studies are or not, but from a, from a hadith point of view, it's absolutely authentic and absolutely we accept it. And it's actually now become a hadith of iman in our times because now you've got yani, people who are just, you know, don't have half a brain cell between them, modernists, liberals, feminists, God knows anyone yani, who doesn't like the sunnah and likes the aql more. So these are the people who will normally attack the hadith of the camel urine. It's become like a flag bearer to attack these hadith. So therefore, it's become a flag bearer for Ahl sunnah to defend these hadith. It's a very important point. Because our iman yani, is based upon the fact that it doesn't matter whether our aql understands something or not. An actual fact you'll find is very interesting. Sheikh Uthameen is going to spend effectively four pages now talking just about this issue. Okay, about the illa of why this, this uh, thing is, is real. Yani, why is it that we're prohibited? But I want you to understand, you now recognize it's strange, yes? You recognize the fact that this deen which was revealed yani, uh, to a shepherd, okay, and a shepherd by nature is very, very much dependent upon his livestock and cannot get free of his livestock and the herds that he is shepherding. And the prayer is five times obligatory upon such a person. They are going to be with these animals all the time. So this is a very important issue. I completely get it that for us in our time now, for us in our time, it's not so important because we don't get to see these you know, farm animals are going wild. But the ruling needs to be covered. So let's have a look at that. Um, the hadith uh, uh, right so on page 244 what does Sheikh say okay what does he say he says yep that's fixed it whatever that was microphone there yeah um, so and then the Sheikh says so it, it's, okay, it's clear therefore that it's not allowed to pray in a camel pen. But why is it that the prayer will be invalid? There's one thing about it being haram, but what about it being invalid? He says, He goes that the evidence that it is not valid is because the prayer has been prohibited. Follow his argument here. He goes, if you pray in it, then you have fallen into a prohibition, that which the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited, and it is uh, it is. It is, it is a, a, a sin, it is a ma'asiyah. So you have done something which the Prophet ﷺ has ex- ex- expressly prohibited. You have fallen into sin and it is not possible for a sin to become obedience. Ta'a, ma'asiyah, sin, disobedience, cannot become ta'a, which is obedience. Therefore, the prayer is not valid. Okay, this is Sheikh Uthameen's opinion. All right, there is an argument out there from scholars that say that not everything which is prohibited by definition becomes invalid as well. This is an argument which is never going to be solved. Anyway, that is the position of Sheikh Uthameen. He says, uh, this is a nice point. When you study Usul al-Fiqh, these kind of hadith you study actually for is other benefits. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, translate for me what he said. He said, Sallu fi marabid al-ghanam. Okay? Pray in these sheep pens. Sallu. Do not pray in camel pens. What kind of, what, what do we call a statement in Arabic? Sallu. Amr. It's a command. And command in Arabic language indicates? Action. What's this legal ruling? What's the legal ruling of an, uh, of an, of an order? Wajib. Wajib. Obliga- obligation. 
Whenever the Prophet ﷺ says do something, it becomes obligatory. Question, is it obligatory to pray in a sheep pen? Why not? So what? The Prophet ﷺ said, Same hadith, same beginning to the hadith. Pray as you have seen me pray. And because of that, all of us pray exactly like he does. What's the big problem of praying in a sheep pen? Uh, so that's the first question. It's indicating something to shepherds only. No evidence for that. Okay, think now like, uh, like students now, okay? Right. Is it possible to say something like that? That it's only for shepherds to pray? For a statement to be made like that, what do we need? An evidence to specify something. Remember, yeah, when you have a general evidence and you want to make it specific, you need to have an evidence to specify it. In the absence of any evidence, we can't take that opinion. So therefore, what else could it mean? Surely it must mean, therefore, it's obligatory to pray. That's why he brings it up. Yani Sheikh actually says it goes that therefore is it obligatory for me to try and find Yani a sheep pen and find and pray it? Anyone want to answer? Answer is quite easy. Just think about it. Think about English. Think about what you would say in English. Yeah. So like the only two places available to pray. So you're saying that if it's like only the the hadith basically referring to a scenario where there was only these two places, therefore don't pray in that one, pray in that one. That's an interesting interesting response. No, that's not the case because the hadith was not being said in that. Uh, in, there's no evidence, rather, to suggest that the hadith was narrated because of that, that there was only two places on offer. Yes? To me, it just seems like pray in sheep pen all you want, just don't pray in a camel. What, you need an evidence to say that. If you want to make a command in the Arabic language not obligatory and mustahab, you need an evidence. Yeah, but the fact that they're mentioned beside each other. Mm hmm. If it was just pray in the sheep pen, yes. then I would take that as a command. Okay. Pray in sheep pens, but don't pray in camel pens. Correct. Excellent. That's the correct answer. If it was a straight up command with nothing else there in the sentence, it would be obligatory, end of story. However, the hadith says, don't pray in camel pens, pray in sheep pens. It's yani, showing you that this is impermissible, but if you want to pray, then you can pray in that. And this is called a qarina or a dalil that takes something down from wajib to istihbab taking it down from obligatory down to recommended okay or permissible and recommended and permissible will be indicated by other further evidences so if there are some other evidences that talk about the praiseworthiness of praying in a camel pen uh, or sheep's pen sorry then you would say right that's recommended if there is no single hadith anywhere that would indicate the praiseworthiness of praying in a sheep pen, then it's fallen all the way from wujub to alibaha, two levels down. It fell down from obligatory to recommended and recommended to allowed. Does that make sense? It became mubah. So the command in the Arabic language fell from here, and, and likewise in this case. And that's because the Prophet ﷺ prohibited praying in a camel's pen. Okay? It's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, فَصْطَادُ Okay, after he tells the, uh, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicates that one is not allowed to hunt, one is allowed, to, yani you're in a haram, you're in the days of hajj, and then when you have finished your manasik, Allah says, فَاسْطَادُ, go and hunt. Go and hunt, yani what does that mean? It's an obligation. فَاسْطَادُ is fi'l amr, go and hunt. That would make it obligatory for you now to go and hunt animals and kill them. It would be completely obligatory. The scholars are agreed upon the fact that this fi'l amr in the Qur'an is not obligatory. It rather just says it is permissible because of the statement before it that was prohibiting 
the hunting in Ihram. Now you're out of Ihram, Fastadu. Now, now if you want, go and hunt. That's the translation of Fastadu. If we took Fastadu and put it out in a sentence by itself, it means go out and hunt, it's an obligation upon you. In this sentence, Fastadu, because of everything that's before it, it now translates as, now it's okay for you to go and hunt. Okay? So likewise, you are not allowed to pray in camel pens, but it's okay for you to pray in a sheep pen. That's the actual translation of the hadith. And that, of course, requires knowledge, requires usul and understanding the difference yani, between Arabic yani, obligations and commands in different scenarios. Okay, so then, that's fine. Um, the Sheikh says, what's the wisdom? What's the wisdom behind praying yani, in a camel pen? Um, the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited it. فَالنَّهِيُ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَأَمْرُهُ أَشَعِي هُوَ عِلَّ بِالنِّسْبَةِ الْمُؤْمِنِ بِدَلِيلِ قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى The Sheikh Uthameen now is going to go into a discussion. I'm going to summarize it for you. He says, if someone says, what's the wisdom behind you and you're not praying in a camel pen, what are we going to say? Well, we'll say that, well, first of all, it's the prohibition of the Prophet That's the, the, the wisdom. The Prophet when he prohibits something or he commands something, then this is in of itself a legal ruling. In Surah Al-Ahzab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 36, it is not for the believing male or female if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or his messenger decree a matter that they have a choice in the issue. It is not for the believing male or the female when Allah and his messenger decree a matter for them to have a khira, a choice, okay, in the issue, in the amr. So that's yani, the game over. Once yani, they have decreed, they, they decreed that, then that's fine. However, if you say that, oh, if you, and, and obviously we are, we are believers, so we say, we have heard, we obey, and we do it. But the believer always wants to know, yani, why, what's going on? They want to know why, what's going on. So, um, Aisha radiallahu an. She was asked, why is it that why is it that a menstruating woman she makes up the fast but she doesn't make up the prayer? Okay? She was asked, why is it that we make up the fast but we don't make up the prayer? Aisha radiallahu anha, she replied, That's what used to happen to us. When we used to have menstruation, we were told to make up the fast and we didn't make up the prayer. That's Aisha's response and it's narrated in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. And that shows that the illa, the actual reason, okay, and that's the difference from a hikmah, the illa is the actual command of the Prophet It is not a wisdom, it's not a thought, it's not my musings, it's not my justifications. It's a command from the Prophet However, it is not prohibited for a believer to uh, ask about what the reasoning behind something is. Okay, But why is it that the scholars really dislike that? The reason that scholars dislike it is the same reason that we should really dislike it today. Because it has created that generation that has so much confidence in itself. Okay, I gave a lecture once and I called it me, myself and I. Okay, we live in a time of self-glorification, self-yani, subhanAllah, celebration. We respect and rate ourselves so much. It's unbelievable. And we have so much confidence. 
I, you know, I was teaching, I was teaching Fitna, uh, the class Tafsir with Ali Imran in uh, Birmingham on the weekend, and I'll be teaching it in Bristol if anyone's in that area or Wales wants to travel down uh, this weekend, this Friday. And we were talking about du'a. We talk a lot about du'a uh, in the Tafsir of Surah Ali Imran because Ali Imran is the surah of du'a. It is uh, a surah that has the most du'as out of all of the surahs of the Qur'an and the most direct addresses to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's known as the surah of Qiyamul Layl because it is prayed at night so often because of its du'a and its nature. But for me, what's much more important is just how much it teaches people how to make du'a and also teaches people the adab of du'a and also allows them to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with respect to their du'a. One of the observations that came to my mind, okay, one of the observations that came to my mind with, you know, after thinking about this surah, and of course we should all make tadabbur on this surah, is how arrogant we are with respect to our intellect. Whenever we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, um, and you know the Prophet sallallahu he said that when the believer makes a dua, or no believer makes a dua, and he and avoids two things, those two things are doing saying something haram and breaking the ties of kinship. Okay? So what would that be? For example, you know, saying something haram would be, you know, doing something haram in the du'a would be, Oh Allah, you know, give me the ability to break into banks or something. <laughs> or make me invisible so that, you know, like I was when I was a kid, that's what I used to say. I, I remember that when I was a child. Ya Allah, make, give, make me invisible so I can go into banks and steal money. No, no, purely <laughs> to buy sweets and chocolates and things. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I was that practicing when I was seven. You know, but I remember the dua. Don't remember that give to the poor part. Yeah. So you can't ask for haram. You can't say you know in your dua, Allah, you left me, you forgot me, you this that you know haram things, stupidity. Okay, so that's a haram. The second part is qati'at uh, rahim. Yani you can't you can't um, break the ties of kinship. So for example, if you've had a major problem with your uncle. Or he's, you know, he's 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 uh, frauded you, for example, taken money from you, or something, or or there's some kind of argument, and you say, Ya Allah, d- destroy this person, or Ya Allah, take him away from me, Ya Allah, you know, whatever. That's not permissible for a family member. That's not permissible for a family member. Yeah, and a kafir enemy who is destroying people, that's something else. But your own family member, you're obligated to try and solve that and deal with their harm. You're not, yeah, allowed to say kill this person or take him away from my life. Rather, you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for patience and an ability to deal with that. That's actually one of the specific obligations of our life to deal with the headaches of families. Okay? It's not something you can run away from. And it's certainly not something you can make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get rid of them. Okay? That's impermissible. So the Prophet said that no believer makes dua for, uh, and avoids these two things except that he will definitely be responded to in one of three ways. Okay, this is a very famous hadith, and very you know we have written an article about it. You can type it into Google and find it as well. The first is that person will get what they wanted. The second is that person will get something better than that in the akhirah, so Allah subhanahu wa taala saves it up for them. Okay, and number three, um, Allah subhanahu wa taala will prevent something as big as what they were asking for from happening to them bad from happening to them in the dunya. Okay. For me, this is one of the greatest hadith of the Sunnah, one of the most yani, uh, profound. I, I, I mean, 
I don't know of many hadith that affect me as much as this hadith. It is really a humbling hadith. That's the most important thing. A lot of people see this hadith as a very optimistic hadith. They see a hadith that you know you should be happy about or whatever. For me, this is a very scary hadith. For me, I see this as a very humbling hadith. Why? Um, here, what you learn is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is accepting to us all the time and you just think all the time that they're not being accepted until you read this dua. And all the time where we're thinking Allah didn't give us this, didn't give us that. An actual fact, Allah is responding to it every single day, preventing things happening to you every single day. Yeah, and you're being misguided by someone who had come and said something to you, but at that moment you remembered Iman or you remembered the Akhirah and you were blocked yeah, and you're from becoming misled. Or maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you a choice, simple choice of either staying in one night or going out one night. You stayed in, okay, and you were bored and you thought, man, it was a rubbish night out. Or, you know, it was, it was a Friday night or whatever. And, or, or you went out and, you know, subhanahu I was just thinking uh, of Ben Stokes today. And so I was just thinking about Ben Stokes today. Just, yeah, because, uh, you know, obviously he's a cricketer and he's actually England's best cricketer. And he's a world superstar and he's probably one of the world's best players and, uh, for England. And this guy, okay, he must be thinking to himself, okay, they went to Bristol, they played, uh, who was it? West Indies. West Indies. They batted the West Indies, okay, they had such an amazing victory. They were also happy about the victory. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, you know, the majority of the team, they celebrated amongst themselves. They stayed at the hotel. They were with families or whatever. And Ben Stokes, at some point on that night, he's decided, you know what? I want to go and celebrate a bit more. So he's gone out to a nightclub or a pub, basically. And it has become the worst night of his entire life. I mean, he could be entirely innocent, subhanAllah. He could be. Right in that he didn't attack person. He's on criminal charges. He's been kicked out of the team. He's been blah de blah. He's not going to the greatest tour of his life. The ashes, blah blah blah. I mean, from a professional sports person point of view, and I was speaking to Maureen about this. He is so destroyed, and this is why I was making uh, uh, talking about this. That he's so mentally broken. The guy got married two weeks after, by the way. His marriage has been booked, and I can guarantee that if he could have blacked that, he would have blacked that as well. Yeah, if he could have got away with it, but he couldn't. To everyone, yeah, and he knows that he has to get married, so he had to go through that. He's broken. He could be so innocent, yeah, meaning that genuinely, if it's true that he was there, and you know, some people were picking on others, and he was the superstar, and he went in and he saved them from being further attacked. The truth of the matter is, it doesn't seem like that. The videos don't seem to show that. It seems actually that you know, whatever. The point is, is that it just goes to show a simple decision. That you think is nothing. It's just like you know, going out to decide to get a drink, or I'm just happy to have the drink in the in the fridge. You know what I'm saying? It might not be the one that you wanted. The other one's outside, and then if it goes to the outside, then, and you just do not know how many times a day Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is protecting you from that wrong decision. Every single day, every single moment. You're making a decision and you make that decision so subconsciously and you move on to your, your merry life and you don't think about it. And every single moment there could have been a second scenario, another alternative universe that exists with all the alternative decisions that you could make. Okay? Every single time. And, and subhanAllah, at the end of the day, you then turn to Allah and you think, Ya Allah, why are you not responding to my dua? Why are you not responding to my dua? And we are so arrogant. We are so arrogant. And you know, I thought to myself, you know, I thought to myself, um, uh, 
let's just let's forget that the end of this hadith that, that, that there was a third option of something bad being you know, kept away from you let's just say that there was A you getting what you want and B something in the akhirah being uh, uh, got for you you all know and we all know that as soon as you enter into akhirah you will forget absolutely everything you ever thought of ever believed you will be so grateful that you never got what you got and everything you know what I'm saying so now I say to you now forget the second option as well imagine the hadith was just that Allah will respond to your dua only by giving you what you ask for. Okay? Imagine that for a second. Imagine what a catastrophe that would be. Imagine, I put to you just logically, we all accept that we are different intellectual levels, yes? And you all accept that even in this dunya, forget about in some nuclear uh, physics facility in the other side of the world, I mean, in your day-to-day life, you've met people that you think they are amazing in terms of their intellect? Would you agree? Okay. That's just in your life that you've met. So what about the people that you haven't met? Yes? What about the people that you haven't met and just heard of and read of? Okay? I ask you, okay, that if you were to compare your request to their request, would you imagine that their request would be more deep and more thoughtful and so on and so forth? Okay? If... There was I gave this I said I said to this I said this in Birmingham to the to the to the class I gave them an example. Let's say there was a family. There's a family, father and a mother, a 17 year old, a 12 year old, and a three year old, and grandparents. Okay, so that's seven people, and you're in a room together, and suddenly time just stops, and a genie comes in. Okay. That's a jinn. Let's, uh, hold on, this has become kufr shirk now. Hold on, let me, just, <laughs> let, me just, let me just step back here and make it as halal as possible. Let's just imagine in some kind of scenario there is a dua, okay? For the kids, you can call it a wish. Wish and dua, same thing. Yeah, okay? There is one wish for this family, one dua that will be accepted. Okay? That will be accepted. And the rule of the game is that you have to choose and nominate a person to make it. And then it will be given. Okay? Who's, who's going to do it? Who's it going to be? Okay, parents, granddad. Can't you just say like a dua? Can I have three more? Blah, blah. Yeah, we, we, we don't know that, bro. I know. Yeah, obviously, still reading all the comic books. Yeah, mashallah. Well done. Good fit. So, who, who, who does it? Who does it? Can they consult? Of course, yeah. Everyone consults. Who's going to get chosen? If they have half a brain cell in that family? The most intelligent one. This is always going to be the granddad. Or the grandmother, it doesn't matter. It's going to be the one. Okay, let me let me let, let me let me turn it other way around. Let me make it more easy for you. Who's definitely not going to be the one who's going to make that draw? The three-year-old. Why? Because they're going to ask for sweets. But why? So what? What's wrong with that? No experience. Huh? Huh? No life experience. No life experience. No, no, hold on. Surely there could be an argument. Surely someone can put an argument forward for the kid getting the dua. <laughs> yeah, I know you would. I know. If all of our dua is accepted, then terrible things could happen. Okay. So the kid is the safest thing because he's just going to ask for a chocolate bar. Okay. 
What a sick one. What a sick one. Yeah. The reason that the kid is never going to be given this dua is because obviously the dua or wish or whatever you want to do it is about trying to get the best maximum benefit or whatever. Yeah. And at every single stage of all these people, okay, at all these, uh, all these people, well, that's actually ironically, she's right. The safest dua that's not going to cause any, any harm, okay, without getting into some kind of inception, okay, that every positive has a negative and a this and a that, whatever, okay. But the safest dua is going to be the dua of the kid, okay, because she's, he's, he's going to say, give me some sweets, it's not going to affect anyone, okay. But that's complete nonsense, of course, because a dua that's you're going to be accepted, you're going to ask for something serious, all right. And serious is going to require lack of emotion, control, experience, age, knowledge, understanding. And that's why the eldest person is going to get that choice. And that person will know not to ask for what the parents are going to be asking for, which is going to be emotionally affected because of their kids. Not going to be what the elderly children are going to be asking because of their limited yani, reality. So the point is, is that we understand that example very clearly of that we were never going to give the kid the opportunity to make dua. And Allah has the greatest a most perfect example, but we are much, much less than children compared to him. And I always said to myself that, yani, I get very, very worried when I make dua. And I often say to myself, I'm so glad that my dua is not answered because it is so pathetically constructed. I sit there and I think about it and I think about it and I think about it and I come up with a conclusion and then I think to myself, how do I even know that was the right thing? How do I even know that yani, that was... Why do I even put so much confidence in my own opinion to be actually to understand yani, what is actually best for me or not? Yeah, and, and by the way, this will apply. And obviously, the reason we talk about this in Ali Imran is because an Ali Imran is definitely very much a surah of conflict and surah of challenges. So therefore, the issues that we have today, such as conflict and challenges, they come to the fore as well, such as the issue of Syria and Rohingya and so on and so forth. And so there you go. You talk about Syria and you know a lot of people... Yani, because they're so emotionally destroyed by what's happening in Syria, their immediate dua is a confused jumble mess yani, of, oh Allah, give the Syrians victory, to Allah, give the Mujahideen victory, to Allah, save the, the blood, to Allah. You know, we, we're not even sure what we're asking for. Okay? We're actually not even sure. And what we're not also not sure is, is that what is going to be the result of what we ask for. So we give the, yani, is an immediate stop, for example, the best for everyone. Is it something that has the best yani, result in the Akhirah? What if the people who were shuhada knew that we asked for them to yani, not be in that scenario? What would they say yani, when we look back? Yani, what I'm just illustrating to you is just how limited the human mind is. That's my point. And if the human mind is limited, then you can understand. You can understand why when I say that the biggest fitna of our time is the not accepting that your human mind is so limited and questioning everything that we see that comes from Allah and His Messenger. And that's what the Muslims have started to do today, is how every religion has broken down. Islam, uh, uh, you know, out of Christianity, only some forms of Catholicism is still holding up. Some forms of Orthodox Judaism is holding up. Otherwise, the rest of Judaism is destroyed. Christianity is destroyed. Islam is holding up because of the Muslim general masses' obsession with the Quran and Sunnah. The very healthy, very clear obsession and loyalty to it. But there's a very strong counter movement, the liberal movement, the modernist movement. Everyone that we think, yani, that you know, we try to say like the American Islam or Canadian Islam, it's nothing at all. It's a liberal mindset that started, yani, nowhere near those countries. 
It started in Egypt and Algeria and Tunisia and in other places way before ever started in America or Canada. Okay, I like the way they get blamed for liberal Islam when actually it came from the Muslim countries itself, right? This, this counter kind of rebellious movement. And so I want you to understand for the Talib al-Ibn, there's nothing, and that's all of you, there's nothing more important in your day-to-day da'wah than to humble people and their understanding of why things should be halal and haram and why should they should do things or not. It is these things that lead people to move away from Allah and His Messenger. It is these people that then don't pray, that drink alcohol, they don't wear hijab, that this, and they still want to keep in the game called Islam because they know in their heart there's no other truth. But intellectually, they rate themselves so much that they start rejecting what Allah and His Messenger wants. So they want to believe in it from an emotional point of view because every human being wants to be hugged by their mom. And every human being yani, wants to believe in God yani, in the bad times. So the, everyone wants that. But they don't want what comes with it. And Islam is the package deal. It's not individual yani, realities. So that's something so, so important. And this point comes even from asking a question like this. You know, as believers, we look at this scenario. Alhamdulillah, the evidence is authentic. The majority of scholars all agree. Sami'na wa ata'ana. We're going to accept it. And that's always got to be what your real basis is for any Islamic ruling, whether it's how, why is Maghrib 3 and not 4, and why is Isha 4 and not 3, why 5 prayers and not 7, why is it that we go and we stone the, the, the shaitan when it doesn't even look like, it never looked like a shaitan before and it definitely doesn't look like a shaitan now, okay? Yani, you know what it is? Alhamdulillah, this is what the Prophet ﷺ did, our, our following that is a blessing in itself. So, this has got to be so strong, while still saying it's completely permissible for a practicing Muslim to ask, is there any wisdom? Is there some way we can understand it just to make it feel better? No problem at all. We can encourage that. Is there any evidence for that? Yes, there is. The Prophet ﷺ was... Um, he said for Sheikh Uthameen gives an example. He said that when it comes to women, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ كُنَّ أَكْثَرُ أَهْلِ النَّارِ uh, you women are the majority of the inhabitants of the hellfire. And uh, they said, Bima ya Rasulullah. Why is that, O Messenger of Allah? What did we do? Why is that? And what were they doing when they asked that question? They were asked, yani, they were not denying yani, the Prophet's ruling or statement or knowledge or whatever, but they wanted to know what the reason was. What's the wisdom behind it, ya Rasulullah? What's, what's, what's happening there? And he said, and he said, and that fact that he responded to them with the reasoning shows that it is permissible to ask. But it must never be the primary thought. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Okay, this hadith of course is very famous and very well known. Because you um, um, are laan. I'll translate that as you curse hardcore. Okay? You can say that you curse a lot. But Curse, I'll explain this in a minute. You can actually write because you curse a lot. Okay? You can write that. Uh, and you're ungrateful to the husband. Okay? So you are ungrateful to your husbands, basically. Um, just want to explain that. means It doesn't mean what you think, like they're using the F word every day kind of thing. Okay? Because that's the case. Men are 100% worse than that. Okay? Women are seen as ladylike, isn't it? And men are the uncouth ones. La'an here, la'an refers to this. Uh, you know what la'an is? La'ana is the absence of mercy. Yes, it's the, uh, the an- antonym. Antonym? Yeah, it's the antonym of mercy. Yes? So when you make la'an upon someone, what you're doing is that you want them to be really destroyed. 
like it's a real heavy, it's heavy bars basically. You know what I'm saying? When you start laughing upon people, it's heavy bars. You want them to be destroyed. It's not, you're not going Jannah. I want you to go to the fire. I want you to be removed from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the definition of, definition of laan. So the idea is, is that when they go in, they go in hardcore. And to be honest, if you think about it, that's pretty true. When you think of your, yani your dad's du'as against you and your mom's du'as against you, you know which one's hardcore. Sah? Isn't it? Do we agree? Yeah? Well, the Canadians are like, my mom never made any du'a against me. Because we're Canadian and we're too nice. I know that American in Canada, mashallah, women are but much better. But they hate. You know, women hate on women. They hate hardcore. When men hate on men, different type of hardcore. It's a softer hardcore. Allah Alam. Anyway, so that's that. They go in hardcore. And they are more ungrateful to their husbands. Yani they complain more. There is another hadith which says, that you complain a lot. Allah Alam. So anyway, the point is, is that they asked and they were given... Um, وَأَمَّا إِذَا قَصَدَ أَنَّهُ إِنْ بَانَتِ الْعِلَّةِ إِمْتَثَلَ وَإِلَّا فَلَا فَالسُؤَالِ حِينَ إِذِنْ حَرَامٍ He said, if they asked the question, if they had asked the question thinking, let's wait to hear their illah, and you know what? Once I've heard their illah, I'm not going with it, then that's something else. Okay, then the question itself would have been haram. Let alone what happens afterwards, whether it would be uh, uh, haram or not. And so likewise, on the issue of this camel pen praying, they differed over the, the illah and the hikmah. What is the actual reason? What's the wisdom? And we've said before, it's very important for us to identify as students of knowledge, wisdoms, okay? And illah or ilal. We need to know the reason for an Islamic yani, uh, prohibition or not, because that way we make qiyas upon it, don't we? Yeah, we make analogy and then we then give rulings for other things. So it's important for students of knowledge and practicing Muslims to know these things. So what did the scholars, they say? Some of them said um, that we don't even know the hikmah. That's it. That's the first opinion. We do not know the hikmah. And uh, this is something interesting. This is a fa'idah, okay? You can write this down. Okay, so he says that any act of worship which one does, any, any Islamic ruling that one does not know the reason for, cannot identify the illah for or the hikmah for, then we call the illah for that. We call the, uh, we, we say that the reason for that is ta'abudi. Ta'abudi. You would have heard me use that quite a bit. It is ta'abudi. Or tawqifi. I like using the word tawqifi a lot. Okay? Why? Let me just give you an understanding why I say ta'abudi comes from ibadah. Meaning that actually the reason for itself is itself ibadah. Does that make sense? That literally it's a case of that's what you were told to do. Just do it. It's pure worship like. You know like when you love someone and you don't understand what they want you to do. What they want you to do. You just do it. Like Ismail with Ibrahim alayhi salam. Okay? He didn't understand why he wants me to do this but I'm going to trust you definitely. Yani, because you love that person, you trust that person, and so it's ta'abudi. Yeah? I call it tawqifi as well, which some scholars used to call it. Why? Um, anyone know why? Why is it called tawqifi? Al-amr tawqifi because of waqf. 
your mind yani, stops. You stop your mind yani, trying to understand it or your intellect. Yani. You've had a go, you thought, 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 I've had enough. Okay, I've stopped. I've reached the end of my intellectual ability. Yani, I've stopped. Now I just say, I hear and I obey. So it's what we call tawqifi. Okay? So that's the first one. And so therefore the Sheikh says, Ithan, the hikmah is just to achieve ibadah by submitting to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he goes, it doesn't matter whether we know it or, or don't know it, this is a great, great wisdom. Wallah is a very nice statement. It doesn't matter whether we know the reason for an act of worship or not. The fact that an act of worship's reason is for it to be worship is a great, great blessing. It's a great blessing. And he says, the, uh, the Prophet sallallahu uh, if, so for example when we're at Hajj and we see people throwing the stones at the Jamarat if someone was to say what is the reason why they are stoning the Jamarat so when the Prophet was asked that question it is this hadith let me say the statement first the, uh, this statement, which is narrated by uh, Ibn Abi Shayba in the book of Hajj, under the chapter of that, that, the dhikr of the tawaf, okay? it's also narrated by Imam Ahmed, also narrated by Imam Abu Dawood, okay? it's also narrated by Imam At-Tirmidhi, and by Al-Hakim, and it is on the authority of Aisha. And this hadith, um, uh, Imam At-Tirmidhi said, this hadith is Hassan Sahih, and Imam Hakim said that it has an authentic chain. But the muhaqqiq, the muhaqqiq of this book, he said, I say that his chain is weak. That, that, that is because of the presence of Ubaidillah ibn Abi Ziyad. And he was considered to be weak by Ibn Ma'in. And Abu Dawood said about this person, uh, Ubaidillah ibn Abi Ziyad, that his hadith are munkar. And Ibn Hajar said about this Ubaidillah ibn Abi Ziyad, he is not very strong. He is not very strong. So... زد على ذلك أنه قد ترب فيه رواه موقوفا ومرفوعا and he said uh, the muhaqqiq the one who's authenticating the hadith himself he said add to this the fact that the, the one who narrated this hadith okay which was who who was he um, an Aisha okay that there is it is not clear whether this hadith is actually a statement of the companion or the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there is some dispute over that. It should therefore should be seen as weak. I and my heart think that it should be seen as weak. Okay, the narration. However, I think the statement itself, there's nothing wrong with it. So even if it's a statement of the companion, what is it that was meant to have said? If it's a statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's weak. If it's a statement of Aisha, it says that the waf of the house and Safa and Marwa and stoning the pillars all of this has been done purely for the remembrance of Allah. All of this has been obligated purely for the remembrance of Allah. Which is very interesting. That's why that's the difference between, you know, you see that guy, we do every year blatantly, we see that guy who takes his chappal off, okay, and he's absolutely throwing his chappal at it and his bag at it and everything at it because, wallah, he sees it as shaitan. And that's fine, because if it's in his mind, this is shaitan, it means shaitan, I'm hurting shaitan, then why not? You're going to you know, you're gonna want to jump in and hit a couple of times and all everything. You would, because that's your mindset, isn't it? Now, it's clear it's not shaitan. Physically, it's not shaitan. It doesn't look like shaitan. Never was said by the Prophet that it's shaitan. These are the places where shaitan stood. It's a, it's a ta'abudi act. 
It's purely, yani, why three and not seven? Why not yani, in Arafah? Why put it in Mina? It's clearly part of the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we don't know. And subhanAllah, when you're there and you do it, and you know that you're doing this only because the Prophet said, take from me your rituals of Hajj, and you do it, pure submission for the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I remember what we said. What is dhikr? What is dhikr? Dhikr is seeing something or doing something. And as a result of seeing or doing something, you become conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you think of Allah. So that's the, the dhikr of the heart. And it's expressed upon the tongue or expressed in action. This is the definition of dhikr. People think the dhikr is just some, you know, as I mentioned, something on the tongue. No, dhikr is an action of the heart. You remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, if applicable, it is expressed on the tongue or expressed upon the hands or legs or whatever. Dhikr is a bigger meaning than what you think. So, actually, it is the perfect act of dhikr, subhanAllah. Tawaf is pure dhikr. Safa al-sa'i is also pure dhikr. Ya rahmakallah. The stoning is pure dhikr. So, sometimes we know what the hikmah is. Another time, we don't. Anyway, um, so that's why some of the scholars said that the prohibition for the prayer in a camel pen is a matter which is ta'abudi. We don't know it's illa, and you know, you know that's a, that, that's a thingy. And then Sheikh Uthameen makes a statement, honest to God, one of his best ever statements I ever read. He asked a question, which is basically why I said what I said. I know that went off topic, but he goes, فَأَيُّهُمَا أَعْظَمْ He goes, what's greater in your opinion? Look at this question, he asks. إِسْتِسْلَامًا وَإِنْقِيَادًا يَعَنِي أَنْ يَسْتَسْلِمَ الْإِنسَانِ الْأَمْرِ إِذَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ حِكْمَتُهُ أَوْ يَسْتَسْلِمْ لَهُ إِذَا عَلِمَ حِكْمَتُهُ What do you think is better and more greater? For a person to know the reason behind something and then submit to doing it? Or a person not to know the reason behind something and then submit to doing something? Okay. So, you know, there's no doubt about it, Sheikh Uthameen says. Of course, there's no doubt about it. That a person who does not know the ruling behind something, does not know the wisdom behind something, does not know the reason behind something, and submits to it, this is the greatest act, subhanAllah. This is pure ibadah. Pure ibadah. And the irony, subhanAllah, is that there are people who have been here who are diseased of heart and mind, they would say this is backwardness and village mentality. And we'll say, wallahi, that this is the highest of intellects. It's the highest of intellects. Because it's based upon, not yani, following something you found in the street or some, what some bandu told you in, in the thingy. This is yani, from Allah and His Messenger. Isn't it? You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, people are looking at the, uh, the end result. Don't look to the end result. Don't look at the end result. Look at yani, who's telling you what it is. You know what I'm saying? So that's beautiful. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Okay, let's look into some of the reasons that were given. So some of the scholars said... Um, the reason that it's prohibited is because it's dung and it's urine is najis. Yet that and that, of course, argument is based upon the fact that they are najis, and we know that that's not the case. So we will put that one to the side. Okay, that's a false opinion. We have hadith that make it very, very clear, and we've covered that. Go back and look at the lessons that are relevant. Also, uh, some said They said that it's because uh, they are like you know action animals. They like they leg it. So suddenly you're there praying in a camel pen and suddenly they're just going to jump up and they're going to, you know, they're going to freak you out and you're going to be disturbed in your prayer. And they said that um, even if they don't, 
the fact that you know that they're animals that all action, they could jump up at any moment, then that's going to disturb you throughout the prayer. We say to that, bro, sheep are far worse. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine you're in the sheep pen? They're nuts, they are. Come on, miskin, lazy, yani miskin, he just bows about like that. And sheep are yani, all over the bloody place. So, yani, if this was correct, and what about masajid when you've got yani, people and all the rest of it? Anyway, so that's no good either. Okay? Um, I'll tell you something which I found interesting. Sheikh Uthameen doesn't mention his hair, but I wrote it. I was doing some research on this. Okay? Uh, some said it's the people that are the problem. Okay? The people and what they do in a camel pen, which is the problem. What do people do in a camel pen? Trust the chief, Yanni, to just take the conversation to a whole new depth, Yanni. Sick guy. So, um, actually, because of all of you, I'm. Uh, oh, what a shot! That's what I'm talking about, bro. Allahu Akbar. Icy cups. I'm going to be honest, I've never seen that before in my life. Is it, yeah? I mean, I've seen this, but I never heard it called icy cups. Is that? Yeah, you smashed it, bro. Do we open it now or do we open it after? No. Now, yeah? <laughs> yeah, can we find out what people do in the camel pen first, yeah? Okay, this is an important point here. All right? What do people. Yeah, it's good that you didn't hear what Usman said. I'm very, very happy that. You know, they say, can you please report, repeat the questions? We're not repeating that one until right now. So, um, what is it that people do in the camel pen? This shows, this shows your luxury, yani snowflakeness. Okay, all bunch of snowflakes. You never seen a toilet other than the toilets at home. People go to do the toilet in a in a, a camel pen. Yeah. Not pet camel pen. Yeah. Camels in. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, a pen. Huh? Wild animal. Yeah, it's a wild animal, yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> okay, anyway. Let me explain my old days. Unless Ibrahim's going to explain any his old days. But uh, by looking at Ibrahim's yeah, any blank expression, yeah, the guy's 21 years old and he's saying that, no, no, I've never done it before. But I thought the experience might come through, but his blank eyes yeah, are saying that he's never done it before. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I have. The big difference between an area with camels and cows especially Especially camels and cows. They're very heavy animals. When they sit down, they don't move. It's the perfect place to go and urinate and defecate. When you're out there and you've you got like no, you've got no thingy. I know that all you guys think that the world only exists over a toilet system and whatever. But in the real world, there aren't these things. Yes? So if you're out there in the real world and there's no mountains and there's no forests and there's no valleys and there's no dunes, there's no cover, where do people go? They go to camel pens, cow pens, and these areas. All right? And... Uh, because as I said there's a big huge thingy so you've got cover haven't you you're only looking for cover that's what you're looking for and so then you go in this dirty and we don't feel bad don't feel guilty it's all manure it's all yani mashallah you know doing great jobs for the earth underneath so you'd use that and you'd do your urine or your number two and because to be uh, 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 same thing, yeah yeah so, we, we, so we, we, we'll come to that that's why it's a problem 
يعني first of all it is narrated also I'm very happy that I have a salaf in this Abdullah ibn Umar used to do this so I don't feel bad about it at all okay so a number of companions actually they used to go to a camel pen and use actually forget you go with, like I said the problem is you guys don't live in the real world you live in just يعني, in Cheetah and stuff yeah so in the real world that's what happens that's where people go and do toilet okay but as uh, we just heard that's not going to be a, that's going to be a, that's going to be the problem in the cow and the thingy and we're allowed to pray in the sheep pen as well so it doesn't apply okay um, what other examples are there what about mixing like you know majlis and pure like we've been discussing about the dunk for animals which are halal mm-hmm. yeah and then the person going there yeah and defecating yeah so I mean najasa and the what are, you, what are you asking about? You're asking about should we pray in a sheep's pen now, now that we know that people... No, go- no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about completely different things we discussed before. Right. The dung itself. Yeah. Some from halal animal, it is halal. Yes. And it's pure. Yes. So when a person will go over there... Yes. Uh, he will make that pure substance impure by doing... His own? Know. Yeah. And you know that, right? What are we talking about here, first of all? I'm now lost. The reason why you don't want to pray in there is somebody going to the toilet. Yeah. Uh, 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 for, for the camels or for all animals? No, no. What you about dung? Is about dung. Dung is a pure product, yes. Whereas human fetus isn't. A human fetus isn't. Mixed together, what's the situation? Oh, you mean if we eat the pure animal? No, no, no. For example, people use the dung. Yeah. Whatever they need. Yes. Oh, you're saying that if I was to go to a sheep's pen and pick up the dung and it's mixed up with whatever, okay, you're asking what the ruling is? Yes. First of all, you're not going to pick it up. There's a big difference between any human or whatever and or whatever. So, it's, so yeah, unless someone's a mega hardcore dairy and it's all got mixed up, yeah? Okay? What are you taking the lesson there for? Why are you taking it there for? Huh? Normally, Usman does that. Even that was better than where Usman took it. <laughs> I don't know where you took it either, bro. I don't know where you're going. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Um, and some of the scholars, they said, okay... Some of the scholars, they said that it has been prohibited from praying in there because they are created from devils. Okay? Okay. Now, the camels themselves. Okay? And that, as, as, as we have narrated in number of hadith, actually, and one of them has been narrated by Imam Ahmed, and it has an authentic chain. Um... And that 142, I will read it out for you, that chain. Okay. Hadith. Narrated by Imam Ahmed and Ibn Majah in the book of Masajid and in the chapter of prayer in a camel pen and also narrated by Ibn Hibban and Ibn Rajab, he said, and it has a number of different roots, all from Al-Hasan al-Basri, Imam Ibn Abdul Bar, he said it is narrated. Rawahu Ali al Hassan, He said that 15 different narrators narrated this hadith separately from Al Hassan al Basri. Okay? And Hassan heard this from Abdullah ibn Muqaffal, and that was stated by Imam Ahmed. That's what Ibn Rajam said. And this hadith has some statement. This, has, this hadith has uh, support from the hadith of Bara, and it has been considered authentic by a number of scholars, etc., etc. What is the hadith? Prophet said, have you not seen its eyes and when it breathes strongly and how it pants when it runs? 
That's one of the hadith. Yani the one that's narrated by Imam Ahmed. Okay? Or in a version of the one of Ahmed. Have you not seen the eyes of the camel and how it breathes and pants when it runs? Okay? Um, yani there's some... You know, you know the word shaitan and shayateen. It comes from the concept of shaitana. That shaitana is that kind of shirarati kind of mischief. Mischief, yani... He's got a bit of shaitani. You know, we, we say in my... You know, he's got... You say that, yeah? But shaitani is. No, no, shaitan can is something different. But he's got a little bit, yeah, shaitani kind of uh, thingy. No, Mesa, class is not ending soon. Okay, what are you hating for? I'm bringing in everyone you're hating. Yani, subhanAllah. Anyway, people always hating on the chocolates. Why people hating on the chocolates? Unbelievable. Why are you hating on our good fortune? By the way, son, I seen you yani, hide a couple of boxes there. Don't even try yani, blacking that one. Yeah, you're down right, you look over there. Yeah, it's okay, bro. Hooked up, son, hooked up. So, um, what's interesting here, okay, I'm going to read exactly what Sheikh Uthameen says, and I'm going to give you a few of my own points on that. Okay, he says, if it is created from shaitan, if it is created from shaitan, or some kind of genetic link, or some kind of Ruhi link or whatever, whatever it is, then it's not so far to say that it's accompanied by shaitan. If it has shaitan, shaitani instincts, yeah. And if it's created from shaitan, doesn't mean that it's made of physical yani fire or whatever. It means it has the characteristics of shaitan or shaitana. That's not something which is difficult. When you think of a camel, you can kick off. If all listen, I I doubted this all the way until I saw that one hadith. One hadith. And I said, I one video. The WhatsApp video, yeah, when the guy, and he grabs and picks the guy up by the head. We played it here. We played it here, yeah? Played it here. My God. What lesson were we doing there then? Just proving that it's shaitan, yeah? It's because when they get upset. Yeah? They don't take it. They, got, yeah, they get very angry. Camels can't be calmed down when they're angry. You see? And, that, and the Prophet wasallam said that the anger, anger is from shaitan. And their anger can't be controlled. It grabbed that guy's head. I thought he swallowed it. I don't know what happened. You saw it, yeah? Picked it up and threw him like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The greatest video I've ever seen. And maybe convinced Yanni that that's it. They're definitely from the devils. Yeah? Anyway. <laughs> so, so it is possible. So therefore these camel pens, if they are shaitani type, then their people are like that as well. i tell you something else. Think about this, yani, just from an akal point of view. The Prophet ﷺ did definitely say, we know the hadith is there, the scholars differed over what it means, but that you make uh, wudu after eating camel's meat. Yes, we said it's abrogated, the Hanbalis said it's not abrogated. So, But the hadith is there. And why is that? And you make wudu yani, from anger, you make wudu when you want to calm down, you make yani, you wash yourself like that. And so clearly the camel's meat has something in it. Yani, something's there. Who knows? Also, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that shepherds, okay, camel shepherds in a hadith, they are hard-hearted, harsh. Yani, it's like, and the ones that are with the uh, sheep, gentle people. That's why the prophets are all shepherds of sheep. <laughs> oh, is it the hadith? Play it, play it. Make sure that people are seeing it online as well. Can you show it online on people, Shaz? Yeah. 
Waiting <laughs> man head. I love the fact that you put that in. Oof! What a shot! What a shot! And then a custom, that's next level behavior. You know what I'm saying? That's not messing about. That guy's not messing about. What's that? that? Anyone's gonna do that? Oh, 100%. I agree. How are we gonna explain all the rest of the stuff, bro? All of these are reasons, to be honest, where we're struggling. We are struggling. Okay, I'm not gonna say that there is. Yeah, that's why the best, that's why I spent yani, half an hour speaking about the Abudi Gani as an illa, and I'm going to spend just two minutes talking about this because, yes, camels, uh, camel herders, I mean, my experience, they're hardcore people, they're no mess about, they're tough. Whereas, subhanAllah, the people with sheep, they're softer. Who knows if there's truth behind all this or not, yani, at the practical point. That's what their arguments have been given, and um, therefore, uh, therefore, the reason to not pray in a camel pen is the same reason for not praying in the bathrooms. Even if the bathroom is completely clean, there's shayateen there. So there are presence of shayateen, so we don't dishonor ourselves, we don't risk any going in there. This was the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, by the way. Ibn Taymiyyah, he spoke a lot about this. And he said, this is definitely the illa. The illa is shaytana, is a shayateen connection. Rahimahullah. And Sheikh Uthameen says, وَهُوَ أَقْرَبُ مَا يُقَالُ فِي الْحِكْمَةِ وَمَعَ ذَلِكَ فَالْحِكْمَةِ الْأَصْلِيَةِ هِيَ تَعَبُّدُ هِيَ التَّعَبُّدُ لِلَّهِ بِذَلِكَ Sheikh Uthameen concludes this matter and he says that I think this is the closest possible wisdom in addition to the primary wisdom which is this is a matter which is ta'abudi end of story yes Sheikh with regards to the statement of Sheikh Uthameen and following Sheikh Uthameen rahimahullah yeah uh, I mean does that not Contradict, like you know, what you what you said in the beginning about the camel, the faith in Sharia and everything, and then saying. That I don't think it contradicts it because there's positives and negatives to the camel. I mean, you say halal for a reason, right? I mean, if you were to think logically, yes. Sallam, like, this is allowed in Sharia, yes. the camel itself. Yes. So if there was an aspect of shayateen and so on, maybe logically speaking, like you know, it may not be the case. So you're right. You are right. Let's let's think of some logical answers to that. Yani, if uh, uh, if it is made of shayateen, then it should be rejected entirely. Is that the case? Is that the case? Is it possible for an animal to have negative yani things and not be completely haram? Like this, you Subhanallah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the evidence. Yeah, the evidence like human beings are never one hundred percent shayateen. They have yani shaitani kind of instincts and whatever, but we still yani keep maintaining contact. Blah blah blah. They're still pure. They're still yani Muslim. Whatever. I think that what's being shown here is that you use the benefit and you don't use the the lack of benefit or whatever. Yes. Just on that point, if they have the essence of the shaitan, yes, or they're made from the shaitan, or that point. Well, this is my point. That's exactly what actually Abdul Nasser just said. That's exactly what he said. He goes out, why? So then, so then, why? Whatever. Because maybe it's not, uh, like I said, it is created from shaitan, but it has shaitani characteristics. And if the shaitani characteristic is what? At best, what we're going to say that that characteristic is? What? Anger? That it runs? Last man, we're not gonna you know stop eating camel because it's angry and it runs. But we and that's why that's why they're so big. The Hanbalis are so big on the hadith of the wudu after the camel meat. They said that it is a garam meat, you know, just like anything else. It really you know increases the the the, the heat inside, and so you got to calm, you got to cool down. So if that is its only you know impact, then khalas. 
Now, here's the thing. Sheikh Uthaymeen doesn't go and support the idea that it itself is shaitan. But the way that the hadith, and, and even he describes it, is that it is so... It, the, 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 it's, like, it's like this. It's like, I, 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 thought of the, I, th- I thought of the example. person who does not pray, shaitan's all around that person. person who loves praying, angels are around that person. Sah? And if an angel is around you, you are more likely to make positive decisions. And if the shayateen are around you, you're more likely to make negative decisions. So the camel... It has some shaitani kind of characteristics, so the shaitan are chilling with it more than is chilling with a sheep, for example, which has an impact upon the camels, so it makes it angry, but not yani, a complete yani, a pig. And it means that its camel pen, there's more likely for it to be there, and even if it's not there. So here's the thing. Here's the here's a, here's a thing. Someone might say, what about the camel pen which is clean? Is it permissible to pray or not? And this, the humbly said, no, it's not permissible to pray in a camel pen, even if it's clean. Because Just like the bathroom. Person. Yes. Be- the, because there is, yani, it is disrespect. It is meant to be there. The shayateen yani, are going to be there. And therefore, just like in the bathroom, the shayateen are more likely to be there. This is the idea behind it. So, Sheikh, with the shayateen being present in the camel pen, we are just taking an analogy, right? We're saying that because shaitan is made from that, from the hadith, yep. uh, that's why the shayateen will be present. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the basic idea. Okay. Chef, what about the water concept that you talked about? I'm not too sure what, 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 what's so important about the water being involved. But I think the water only is being involved to show more permanency that they're more likely to be there. Because the idea is going to be that if we're going to prohibit the world yani everywhere that the camel takes a rest, then we're not going to be able to pray anywhere. So the water point is basically adding some permanency to the location. What about the fact that if the water is there... No, no, no. Don't focus on the water. Don't focus on water. Focus on the, a camel pen near water. Okay. Not water. The fact that a camel is deciding to feed there, drink there, and it's deciding to stay there. Did anyone say anything about getting stepped on a camel? No, they didn't. <laughs> but I know that you're going to suggest something. A camel is not najis. Oh, then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the camel will hurt you if it steps on you. Maybe it's the reason why you're not present. Oh, your point is you don't pray in a camel pen because it step could step on you. Genius, to be honest. Yes. I'll be honest with you. There are some masajid that I'm worried about praying in the second line if I think about the uncle following me on the front from the first line. And by the way, I've been, I've, I've had some guy fall on my head. That never stopped me any being prayed there. Yani. I've been stepped on about being prayed for in Muzdalifa, bro, a number of times, which is why I reduced my praying there big time, bro, to once a year. <laughs> <laughs> And even if <laughs> and even if I can blag that, I'd blag that as well. Um, I want to make sure that I finish this because we've got questions yani, there and we've got things here and I wanted to also tell you something interesting as well because... Huh? What's that? <laughs> Is there a camel kicking off, Shaz? Camel kicking man. I think this has turned into a... 
This is turning it. Oh, is it the short? No, no, I think that's a donkey, isn't it? Is it the American Navy one? Oh, that's the greatest video ever. Go back, go back to that. Allah, honestly, how beautiful that kick was. Honestly, you don't have to bore us, don't you, watching rubbish man. Just put that original part on, repeating as it. Khalas, listen. Okay, so we, the problem is, is that the lesson is now gone to 123, and I get always very, very yani, nervous when it gets that long. But I was going to tell you something that Sheikh Ehlan wrote about that we had a big yani, big ding dong over. Yes, Sheikh Ehlan obviously he loves uh, writing new articles every single day. Yesterday he wrote something so funny, made me laugh so much. Okay, and um, so he wrote that today I was uh, making tawaf, and he goes when I was making tawaf, right on Facebook. Yani he goes when I when I when I when I made tawaf, he goes I was when I was in tawaf I saw. A huge guy. He goes. He was Adimul Jatman, and he was massive. This guy was, and he's walking with his wife, and they uh, have got uh, their child tied to them via strap. Okay, um, in the tawaf, something which I just want to let, let you know. I fully support and fully think because I do not believe you should ever take your children to Hajj or Umrah or tawaf or anything unless it's a very very quiet period of time and you are very much in control but in general you shouldn't young children okay but anyway if you are going to then absolutely I'm going to go down that line anyway Sheikh Ihlan <laughs> he, he goes so I saw this and I said I said to myself I'm going to have to sort this out so he goes I tapped the big guy on the shoulder and he turned around at me and, and I said to him Assalamu alaikum and he looked back looked at me in big shock and he goes Wa alaikum salam wa he goes, can I tell you a hadith of the Prophet <laughs> So the man, he goes, was in big shock. He goes, please go ahead and tell me. So he said, must have been Arab. Must have been Arab. Must have been. So he said to him, and Nabi ﷺ was in tawaf. This hadith famous in hadith in Bukhari. He goes, the Prophet ﷺ was in tawaf and he saw two people that were tied together with a shariat, uh, with a habal, with a rope. And the Prophet ﷺ, he became uh, uh, he became angry. He said, "What is this?" And he grabbed the uh, rope and he cut it. And he said to him, "Udhu biyade." Yani, if you want to lead him, then lead him by the hand. Which would indicate that there was some kind of reason for the fact that they were tied together. So, you need to. You need to. Get rid of this strap for the kid. <laughs> Sheikh goes, the man said to me, 100%. 100%. He goes, I agree. He, like, he was like in big shock that there's a hadith on this matter. Okay? So the Sheikh goes, Jazakallah khair. He goes, I looked towards his wife. And when I looked towards his wife, they started walking off. The man was telling his wife about the hadith. And his wife was not having one little bit of it. <laughs> So I left them to it, and Allah knows best what happened. And in this hadith, there is the extra benefit, as Bukhari said, that it is permissible to talk in the tawaf, and there is the extra benefit that it is permissible to punish via financial uh, uh, financial penalties, which is an excellent istidlal, you know, a uh, very good yani, uh, uh, piece of fiqh from Sheikh. I cutting the rope, because the rope's not his, and he cut the rope, yani. So that's someone else's property. Rope is very valuable. 
So him doing that shows that it is permissible to penalize someone financially. So anyway, hundreds of people, like, 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 zakalahad, zakalahad, zakalahad. I was, I said, you are having a laugh, Sheikh. You are having a giggle. I'm not accepting that whatsoever. The illa is no way just the cutting of the thingy. Actually, that was because of what was it was looking like. Sheikh, me and him spent, I think, one hour on the phone arguing this point yesterday. Yani, back and forth, back and forth. I went and got him Fath al-Bari. Imam al-Bukhari himself, when he quoted this hadith, you know, Imam Bukhari, when he puts a hadith in his chapters, he puts, the, if he says something haram in the, in, the, in the hadith, he will say in the chapter title, uh, chapter, why it is haram to do, ex- you know, he always does it. That's the fiqh of Bukhari. Okay, so it's a, you know I've spoken about this before. Anyway, Bukhari narrated this hadith. He said, title, chapter title, the permissibility of speaking in tawaf. I said, Sheikh, where is the haram? You think Bukhari, and if he thought this was haram, he would have said it's haram? Sheikh was not having it. Just to talk about the illa. He said the illa is definitely making people look like animals. And this is what animals do. And this is what we do to animals. And it's not permissible ever to put the human being down to the level of the animal. And he's convinced of that and he's sticking to it. And he's got strength on his side because the Prophet ﷺ said, then hold him by the hand. Lead him by the hand. I'm not having no problem you leading him because you can lead an animal also like that, can't you? Yeah, by holding its mane, whatever. But I'm not having you leading him with a rope. I suppose I said lead him with hand. So Sheikh Al-Han saying us likewise. Hold the kid by the hand. Now what 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 would we say? We'd say we are going to hold the kid by the hand, but we've got the rope yani as well, or maybe the rope just in case because it's more safer or because of X Y Z. And I argued with him that the niya is very important where they're not yani belittling. Maybe in that one there was a belittlement of the two. Or there was some whatever, and whereas the child is purely done for the safety reason and not yani, for any other reason other than that. This is a classic discussion over the difference of the illa, what the reason is behind something, and if you identify what the reason is or isn't, it affects the ruling. Sheikh was basically saying to that guy, that's haram. I'm saying it's completely permissible to use that. Look at the difference in ruling based upon what you think the reason is. There's no doubt that, that to not have a strap is safer. Yeah, that's, that's the way you look at it. Look at it as an amr ta'abudi. Yeah, this is an example of my point. Say this is an act of worship and should therefore not have any kind of things like that. So, Allah knows best. This discussion will always kind of go on. Anyway, we've, uh, we've gone to one hour and a half. Let's uh, quickly look at that. What about laying a baby with a... De- What's all this, man? These are all old questions. Behave yourself. What's the uh, uh, questions that are thingy? All the questions that you've asked, go back and look at the previous lessons I've answered them any questions that, that I look later on and see that have not been answered before before, I will then uh, go yep that's fine go up go up go up go up yes correct that is uh, uh, a waste that's similar uh, Shu'aib uh, you're right but please Shu'aib help me when I say a word so that I can explain it and uh, Hiba uh, I've answered those questions okay go back and look at the previous lessons um, I think we better to stop. Go on. Sheikh, you mentioned about the illa to understand the reason behind it. Um, not all this question the illa. Assuming now, Atan, like you mentioned, but when we look at Ibrahim al salam when the, he talked, uh, he mentioned Surah Al-Baqarah. Qala awalam tu'min, qala bala walakiliyat ba'in qalbi. So just to satisfy the heart to know that that he it's not that he does not believe in Allah. Correct. Correct. It is permissible, as I said. It is permissible for a person to want to know something, to understand something, to ask. 
but it should never get in the way of being the actual reason. So the, 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 the request of Ibrahim salam to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show yani, how this happens was never in any case a doubt in him himself. Always something additional. And our problem today is that it is the, yani, you know what's going on today. Um, and I think we will call it there. Okay, folks. Um, for those that wanting the Umrah, okay, I, we are not going public with this. As I said, the Umrah went live today. The dates also went live. It's on hajwithae.com slash Umrah. And if you say when you register, you put in the note thing, okay, that you are an LP student, they will definitely give you money off. I don't know how much because that, that's not in my hand, but they will definitely, and you keep pushing. You know what he said? He said that that's only for Umrah, not for Hajj. I, I say to you, put it in the Hajj one as well. Yeah. What's the website? Yeah. And, and by the way, Hajj is live as well. Okay, Hajj registration is live as well, but that is really only for the people who went to Hajj before to give them a, a heads up on people they want to go this year. So we're not going to release that publicly, that list of registration, because that's going to fill up. So it's hajjwithae.com slash umrah, hajjwithae.com slash hajj. Ilmfest is next week in Manchester. Okay? It is... Huh? Yeah, tickets probably. Well, they'll definitely sell before. It's only 12, 1300 tickets. That's nothing. So tickets are probably gone. Or they are gone. Okay. So what should I do now then? Yeah, but Yanni, you got someone with you now? Yeah, if you need any, if anyone here hasn't got a ticket, then get it because it's definitely going to be sold out. That's next Sunday, okay, at EIS Bristol. I'll see you guys there uh, this weekend for Fitna. Um, and what else? Anything else? Um, do is it this Sunday? Subhanallah, clocks turning back. That doesn't affect anything outside, right? It affects them. It affects all international peoples. Yeah, anyone who's outside of the UK. Our, our clocks go back, which means that you are now going to be an hour earlier for them. Yeah, an hour earlier for them. Or later if they're the other side. America can decide hour earlier. Middle East and Asia, an hour later. Okay, and those folks in London and anywhere else, Young Festival on Saturday, it's going to be good. Myself, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, uh, are doing. Uh, a rendition of Surah Yusuf, insha'Allah. Barakallahu feek. Wajzakumullah khair. Do I open this, Yanni, on camera? Yes. Yanni, do we do that? That's not right, is it? Why are we, Yanni, causing that pain to people? Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, guys. I've got to show you that this is not, Yanni, something. This is proper behavior. Look, this is like proper. That's so nice, subhanAllah. So beautiful. Okay. Jazakumullah khair, everybody. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك اللهم وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله. Okay, yeah, this needs to be gone round. There's loads in there, guys. You can take a good couple each. There's 200 pieces in there. 200 pieces, my goodness.